Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are, while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so grateful that you're here. Our guest today is a lecturer, educator, and experienced practicing clinician. His services specialize in online education for his patients. He is a functional medicine certified physician with additional board certification in OBGYN. He has obtained his certification in plant-based nutrition from Cornell University, and he has lectured throughout the U.S. and abroad regarding integrative approaches to disease with a focus on genetics neurotransmitters, and toxicities. I'm so excited to pick his brain today. Please help me welcome Dr. Bogner to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, Most of the things that you speak on and specialize in this last year and a half, I've really dug into, but um, don't feel still like I have a really firm understanding. So I'm, I'm so excited to pick your brain on them. And maybe um, I'd love to first, if it's okay, talk about mold exposure and what that as well as mycotoxins does to the body, because I think that's a good start for the rest of what we're going to talk about. Sure. Um, so as you know, we have about 100,000 different mold species that are growing on earth and probably in some parts of the world, some mold species that we haven't discovered yet. Um, and, you know, mold is, is part of our ecosystem, uh, obviously, um, but it can have profound effects on our health if, if it takes control or starts to colonize within us. Um, but, you know, mold, what it does in nature, you know, if one mold tries to take over another mold, you know, for competition of nutrients, for example, then the mold that gets attacked, I guess, over time or evolution has uh, developed defenses against the other mold type. And so it developed the production of toxins. We call them mycotoxins, mold toxin. And that's really what is harmful to our health. Um, And, you know, we have discovered so far... um, close to 500 mycotoxins and um, the most common ones about 16 of those um, we can measure in the urine of patients and um, you know these 16 different toxins come from five different mold groups you know you've heard of um, for example aspergillum or penicillium or uh, there's the zerolone group the trichothecine group you know which includes the black molds 
and they all um, have a different um, affinity more to release certain types of toxins. And so, um, uh, you know, what they do in our body uh, is they can interact with DNA synthesis, cell migration, they inhibit the immune system, then that would kill the mold. So, you know, um, but it's also been linked to cancer, it's been linked to schizophrenia, to Alzheimer's, brain fog, autism. Um, we have a lot of studies, so it's not that we don't know much about it. You know, in fact, these 16 toxins we do measure in the urine because we have so much clinical data or studies on that, mm -hmm. on that topic, on what it can do. But uh, I, I believe, you know, the bottom line is that mold or these types of fungi are intelligent species. Um, and they know exactly what they're doing in our body. It's not like a strep throat. It's like a parasite almost, huh? Yes, it, it paralyzes the immune system. It does so much more uh, in regards to, you know, tricking the body, evading the immune system, mm -hmm. and ultimately also stimulating brain tissue. So, um, you know, creating neurotransmitter imbalances such as elevations of dopamine and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it is a problem. Um, and... Uh, especially for those that are susceptible to mold. But yeah, I'm not sure if that answers the yeah, introductory so question. With those, with those conditions that you listed that they can lead to, is, that the, is, is it really that like anyone with those conditions were exposed to mold or is it possibly from other things as well? Uh, that's, that's a good question. Um, well, um, you know, if we, if we talk, for example, about uh, schizophrenia, um, that's not really something that you're born with, right? You can develop normal. Maybe you had some quirky personality traits, maybe not. But, you know, that starts to happen later in life, you know, in your 20s and 30s. And why is that? You know, if it's truly a gene that's a schizophrenia gene, why would it be all of a sudden flaring up in your 20s and 30s? So uh, in my mind, a lot of disease, you know, autism, uh, Alzheimer's, schizophrenia, uh, a disease is that you are susceptible to certain environmental influences that can trigger this problem. You know, and with genetic susceptibility, I mean, um, you know, genes that work slower in our body. Um, to give you an example, um, there's a gene that breaks down adrenaline, right? It's called COMT. And we receive one copy from our mom and one copy of that gene from our dad. And that gene, let's say we received some slower versions of this gene from our parents, then, you know, if both gave us a slower copy of that gene that breaks down adrenaline, then it's 70% reduced in its function. Um, in addition, that gene is stimulated by an energy called methylation. And, you know, mold is known, these toxins to inhibit methylation. Mm -hmm. So then you have, you know, genetic uh, susceptibilities of already having a slow uh, methylation system. Now we have mold that paralyzes it. So what, what does that mean? That means your ability to break down adrenaline is greatly compromised. Mm -hmm. And if you're inflamed, uh, you know, you have free radicals flaring in your body because of inhibited defenses in your liver and inflamed gut and dysbiosis, then you start to oxidize that adrenaline. And that forms a chemical called adrenochrome, which you know, has been implicated with schizophrenia, for example, it causes mm -hmm. altered realities, um, high intelligence, but altered realities, uh, paranoia, anxiety disorders, uh, things like that, hallucinations, auditory, mm -hmm. visual, taste, smell. Yeah. 
and so so it has vast implications on our genetic mm-hmm. makeup uh, depends on how you build and so i do genetic snip analyses where we look at you know genes that are involved with methylation neurotransmitter uh, metabolism detoxification inflammation and to kind of see where is it in your genetic framework where you need help yeah um, so this makes so much sense my my birth dad had um schizophrenic like mental health and um was never diagnosed but pretty clear that it was like that and mm-hmm. he grew up in new orleans a very moldy place um and then uh i had a a friend that was like an or my mom's friend that was like an aunt of mine uh for like years and she was always so sweet and she i remember her finding out that she lived in mold she had lived in it for like a decade and then she ended up all of a sudden just snapping and becoming schizophrenic lived on the streets was homeless you couldn't even have a conversation with her and that was so scary to witness as a kid but of course at the time nobody thought it was linked to the mold and i'm curious because so many doctors misdiagnose things like cancer or all of these other things that are caused from mold. They misdiagnose them, or there's all these patients with schizophrenia. I'm curious if we'll get, if you think we'll get to a place where doctors will start testing for mold and start treating for mold when patients come in with these symptoms. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, of course. Um, but I, I doubt it. Yeah. I, um, you know, if you go, I mean, it, when I went to medical school, I had 120 hours education on pharmacology, you know, and maybe an hour or two on nutrition, um, which means that we are trained right from the get-go on making a correct diagnosis and then finding the right drawer with the ICD-10 code that pulls out the right drug to treat it. But unfortunately, as you know, the treatments that are available that the insurance will cover are treatments to put a band-aid on the problem mm-hmm. not to go to the root of the problem mm-hmm. um, as you can see it's ultimately complex it involves environmental factors you know which we call epigenetics and then the genetics and we are light years away from that um, mm-hmm. i mean if you just mention mthfr to your primary care physician they're like wait a minute wasn't that something with vitamin b9 and we're talking about hundreds of genes that we already know mm-hmm. uh, that we can check and uh, analyze. So I kind of gave up on hoping that the mainstream medical society is getting on board with this. I mean, just look at the whole cannabis thing. Why is it schedule one? It's so ridiculous. It saves mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't want to use it, don't use it, but don't say that those that, you know, it has helped and that wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, block them from that. And so you can see how, corrupt this whole system is um in that regards and uh no i don't think that we're going to get on board with that uh, mm-hmm. as a, a, we need radical change in our medical system i mean we could talk hours about the suppression of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin this is mm-hmm. ridiculous mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fraud it's criminal in my opinion and uh, and so no i don't think we're going to get on board there are a lot of alternative physicians functional medicine um like I'm just one of them, uh, brilliant minds, but obviously not enough. And not many people realize that it's mold and they just chase their tails going to regular doctors and just getting... And yeah, that's the problem. You know, if you think about mold, just for example, with anxiety or depression, right? Um, 
what do you, what do you get? You go to your primary care. First of all, you only have 15 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to tell your story. They don't have time to listen to more than that. You know, they have 20 patients waiting. And so they're like, all right, I diagnosed you with anxiety and sleep problems. And you know what? Try this antidepressant and you get Prozac or well, mm-hmm. you know, any of those antidepressant SSRIs. Well, what does it do? It blocks serotonin. Mm. But the problem is that, you know, usually those patients have already high serotonin levels circulating in their blood, which is due to bacteria in the gut producing it. You know, 90% of our serotonin is produced in the gut. And if we have mold, you know, mold causes inflammation, inflammation causes less blood flow, less oxygen, which means there's bacteria that thrive under low oxygen condition that that are those bacteria that produce serotonin. Mm -hmm. So now we have high serotonin, which we know can cause anxiety, uh, agitation, irritable bowel symptoms, but especially anxiety. So now your primary care misdiagnosed your anxiety of, you know, because anxiety is a symptom of depression, thinking you have low serotonin. So they give you an SSRI, so you go from high serotonin to even higher serotonin, you come back in four weeks and you're like, that doesn't help. Uh, I feel the same or even worse. And they're like, well, we should increase your dose. Next thing, you put a bullet in your head because you were completely treated wrong mm-hmm. by making a bad problem even worse. And that's why there's a black box warning on SSRIs or suicide. Yeah. Because if your doctor can't help you, who's going to help you? You know, and... Uh, and so I think it's a terrible, terrible way to practice medicine to just give out these drugs like candy by blocking yeah. something or putting a Band-Aid on something when you should go to the root, really. Mm-hmm. Um, what, why do you think that some people um, can live in a home with mold and like the, they all exhibit different symptoms and maybe one person won't exhibit any at all? Whereas like one might be having like psychological symptoms, one might be experiencing health symptoms, and then one just nothing. Well, it's a, it's a great question. And, you know, um, as we expand our uh, understanding of genetics, you know, we all are different. Um, even identical twins have different genetics. Um, but uh, like just a minor variation of your ability to break down adrenaline faster than the average person, then slower, can have a huge impact on your whole outlook on life, how you mm-hmm. process the environment, how you uh, react to stress, how you react to coffee. You know? And so the, the sheer amount of influences on just one gene, how it can change you is vast. And that's, I guess, the beauty of life that makes us all different. Thank God. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's all the genetics. Even if you come from the same parents, if you have a sister or brother, just if they, if you have for one gene, you know, your, your parent can give you, well, they have also two genes. If they have one good working gene and one bad one, well, which one are they giving you? And then what about your dad? And then you repeat that over, you know, the, the thousands of genes that have an influence in all of this, then it's impossible that there are two humans with the same genetic code mm-hmm. and and that's why uh, it depends really on the inheritance from our parents and our individual genetics and neurotransmitter breakdown inflammation uh, how, how the body deals with inflammation how we generate new cells everyone is different and you know over time this has an effect on the whole system it's like mm-hmm. this ripple effect but yeah, yeah. so I don't, I was born in New Orleans, which I know is a moldy place, um, floods all the time. I don't know if I 
lived in mold as a kid. I have no clue. I, I know that I was heavily vaccinated, so a lot of metals in my system. Um, I also think I have MTHFR. Um, however, in my 20s, I lived in multiple mold places and in my 30s as well. And uh, without knowing the dangers of mold, I didn't find that out until about a year ago. Uh, but as a kid, I was told by multiple teachers, youth pastors, that, um, you know, they, I don't even know that they had a word for autism yet, but, but that people asked if I was slow. And they said that to be unkind, to disempower me. And so there was this resistance to the thought of it. Um, and then, uh, you know, here in my 30s, I talked to a mom who, had a, who has a, an autistic child and a, a woman who has an autistic partner. And I had told them that about how that, that experience that I had as a kid. And um, they said, well, what do you, why do you think, why do you question it sometimes if you have autism? And when I told them everything, they were like, sounds like you are on the spectrum. You know, I, I can't handle bright lights. I can't handle loud sounds. Um, touch was really hard for me. Eye contact was really hard for me. And I, you know, I just listed everything and being able to talk to them about it with no stigma or shame, it melted away that like resistance that I had from people telling me as if it was something wrong with me in a bullying sense. And um, now I'm, I'm curious. I don't know if it's because I lived in mold or if it was um, from all the metals, but I'd love to hear um, about the connection with mold and autism. Uh, very, very, very good question. Um, so first of all, uh, you know, we, we just live on this plane, right, of reality and you're judged by external observers. Mm -hmm. um, nobody can tell or measure your inner workings, your inner brilliance. Mm -hmm. Just because you can't verbalize a very complex thought doesn't yeah. mean you're slow, you know. And uh, the best example of that is when I look at some of my autistic patients, you know, 17-year-old boy, nonverbal and he's aggressive, weird behaviors, you know, you would never think, you would think, oh my God, you know, this is a brain damaged kid. That's what they would say. But then you find a technique of communicating with this individual. And they have one now called Spelling to Communicate. You know, um, J.B. Hadley wrote a great book about this, um, which is a way of these individuals to channel their thoughts via typing. Mm -hmm. And they are poets. They are poets. You don't, you have no idea of what they're capable of, these, mm -hmm. these minds, you know, of writing exactly how they're feeling. You know, they almost can, in my opinion, it's almost like they have a sense of the future, uh, you know, of, of your, of your energy that can tap into that. Mm -hmm. um, the, the brain ability of these individuals is far beyond um, anyone can imagine. And the reason for that is that the brain, in my opinion at least, uh, has multiple uh, systems that are hyperactivated. And, you know, those are your senses and especially your amygdala. Um, you know, your amygdala is a tiny almond-sized structure in, uh, in the limbic system. Mm -hmm. And it connects to different systems like the Broca area, which generates speech, but also the hippocampus, which is responsible for memory. And, um, you know, this area, if you hyperstimulate it, 
let's say with histamine. Histamine is a neurotransmitter that is uh, an exciting neurons, or especially microglial cells. And microglial cells are the intelligent cell in the brain that grabs synapse and puts them together, disconnects and connects, and it senses the environment. That's the truly intelligent cell of the brain. And the microglial cells have four different histamine receptors on their surface. And we know that if you hyperstimulate that, it becomes inflamed. But that means that this area is hyperactive, meaning you have only one way going into your brain, but the output is inhibited. Because, For example, you, you absorb your environment, everything. What do you do if you're in fight or flight? If a bear comes running towards you, you don't want to remember what you had for dinner yesterday. You don't want to access that information. You want to sense the environment to find every possible escape route and you know the smell and everything in your senses is hyper alert. You absorb the environment. And that's why a powerful event like this, you will remember for the rest of your life. That's how powerful the amygdala in that moment is to create memory. Mm-hmm. The problem is in that moment, you wouldn't really remember the speech that you have to give tomorrow in front of your work. Even though the information is present in your brain about that speech, there's no way when the bears comes running that you remember anything in that speech. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's a unilateral, hyper-stimulated way of the amygdala to store and to react. And you have big trouble speaking during those fight or flight things either. Uh, you barely know, you can barely find words. And that is the problem, in my opinion, in autism. The... the uh, senses are so hyperactive that you absorb everything that's why sounds and light can be so disturbing because um, of the amygdala being hyperactive and the problem is even though you can generate the intent to speak it once it comes to the amygdala usually what happens the amygdala transforms that intent to speak into motor neurons so you can make your mouth move but if that's inflamed and hyperactive there's a block Mm-hmm. But they do know what they want to say. But instead of saying, hey, I want a glass of water, your arm starts shaking, you know, um, because it's a misfiring, because there's a block. Mm-hmm. And and so that's why they have found different ways for them to communicate. But in my opinion, those are histamine-induced states. If you look up histamine, schizophrenia, big links, mm-hmm. Alzheimer's, brain fog, um, autism. And mm-hmm. where does the histamine come from? Well, the histamine, as you know, uh, is a chemical that gets released. You know, just think of a mosquito biting your hand. What happens? It turns red and itchy. That's histamine. Mm-hmm. It's an aggressive way of the immune system of saying, oh, there's an invader. The liver had no chance to grab that. We don't want that to circulate in the blood and cause harm. So let's gang up on it by recruiting the immune system. And hence, you have a little bump there, right, that neutralizes that toxin. But the same happens if we have mold growing in the gut. You have inflammation. You have leaky gut, right, as a result of that. And you have a lot of toxins all of a sudden leaking through when they should have been excreted, you know, and us going to the bathroom. They start leaking into the liver. And in the liver, we have often deficiencies of certain genes and properly coding for the substances that grab these toxins or bind these toxins. And hence, a lot of these toxins start to leak into the blood. And the same process is happening. Massive amounts of histamine get released. That can stimulate the brain, um, just like we discussed. And, of course, cause surges in adrenaline. Adrenaline, if you have the genetics not to break it down, forms adrenochrome. And 
you know, and so forth. You know, and depending on your genetics, you can also have these problems with the serotonin. And then if you methylate the precursor of uh, serotonin, which is tryptamine, you form DMT, you know, which is, uh, I'm sure you know, a yeah. very powerful psychedelic substance, which coincidentally, of course, has been found to be elevated in individuals with autism. So Yeah, and I want to go into that some, um, but re- before we go into that, I, I was curious where Lyme comes in here as well, because I, if I'm not mistaken, Lyme can induce autism, but Lyme... Isn't it triggered by mold as well? I'm, I'm, I feel confused in this area. Um, so I've been talking a lot about this with um, her name is Amy Offit. She sits on the on the board of the of ILA, the International Lyme Association, mm-hmm. and um, because she's she's obviously uh, one of the bigger experts on how to treat Lyme. But one of the things you have to ask yourself: uh, what was there first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah. Because if you think about mold, for example, uh, mold uh, releases mycotoxins that inhibit the immune system, mm-hmm. specifically that part of the immune system that takes the T cell system that takes care of things like mold itself, yeast, viruses, and also spider sheets like Lyme. So in my opinion, it is the mold that was there first mm-hmm. that causes, uh, provides kind of the the arena for Lyme to even have a chance to, you know, thrive because of immunosuppression. And it's like an, it's like you have AIDS uh, or you have HIV. Well, your immune system is suppressed. What are you going to get? A viral infection? Or are you going to have all of a sudden a fungal infection in your brain? Uh, or do you have parasites? Because it, it, it depends on your immediate environment. So it's not that every child with autism has Lyme, but it is a what we call co-infection. Mm-hmm. And you see people have recovered their kids by treating uh, or following specific Lyme protocols, but obviously it doesn't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's why others have recovered their kids with using antiviral therapy or others with um, you know treating the gut microbiome. Um, and so that's why there's such a wide spectrum because everyone is different depending on their environment. But um, no, I think mold was there first and then live. So what about like, could be some people have these symptoms, mold, you know, autism, Lyme, or just mold illness, uh, mold symptoms, but they say they don't think they've ever lived in mold or at the very least they've had these before living in mold. So is that, is it possibly also linked to metals or... Well, metals come into play at a very interesting part in time in regards to autism. But mold is not only, you know, on your carpet or in your flooded basement or behind the drywall. Um, you know, aspergillus, for example, the most prevalent uh, mold that uh, is in our environment, right? It creates billions of dollars in damage in our crops. You know, if you think about uh, wheat or soy, you know, or, or um, the whole dairy industry, mm-hmm. but it's particularly crops. Let's say wheat. You you harvest your wheat, and what you want to sell it, right? You want to sell it to the processing plants. But before you do that, you store that wheat in silos, and that's everywhere in every country of the planet a problem to make sure that those crops that get stored there are not being affected by mold. Mm-hmm. And it's a billion, billion dollar problem. The thing is, it's unavoidable. Every 
product that contains wheat or dairy, uh, you know, because dairy, because what do you feed cows? You feed them wheat, you know, you feed them uh, alfalfa, these GMOs. Um, and, and so rice cereal that we feed our babies contains mold. It mm -hmm. doesn't have to be expired, mm -hmm. but every processing plant receives the crops from the farmer knowing that there are already mycotoxins in there. There are regulations from state to state, from country to country of how much or how many uh, mold toxins are allowed in a particular crop. So mm -hmm. it's not even a secret that our food is contaminated with mold. And we're talking about, you know, I, I wrote down here, peanuts, cereals, corn, cotton, coffee, rice, sunflower seeds, wheat, dairy, eggs, meat, and a lot of spices. Um, so besides the immediate environment that we have in our house, it's what we put in us. Mm -hmm. And especially with genetic modification of our food in the 1990s, mm -hmm. um, this is greatly enhanced because, you know, that messes with our microbiome. Mm -hmm. We know that glyphosate is, uh, originally was patented as an antibiotic. So we know that our microbiome gets destroyed, um, and that gives these uh, mycotoxins the perfect environment mm. to start growing in the gut. And, and so it starts early on um, when we're babies. It's yeah. probably breast milk. So. Um, so for those with these symptoms, should like I know from time to time I'll have Ezekiel bread, but I, I pick up local sourdough from an actual bakery here. Um, I do have sunflower butter. Um, are those things that I should be avoiding or anyone with these issues? Should they be avoiding? Um, well, there, there are things I think that we should be fine with, um, with these, if we have a, an effective immune system and we have taken care of the problem, but in a patient that has evidence of mold and clinical symptoms, yeah, that should be, you know, that has to go along with diet changes and, um, anything wheat, Anything dairy, any sweets or processed foods should be avoided. And I know it's not easy. And, you know, you can talk about gluten-free bread. Well, that they have other chemicals in it that are bad mm -hmm. too. So um, I think uh, overall, it's, it's all depending on the motivation of the patient, you know, what you tell them in regards to diet. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, these foods probably should be avoided. Um, sourdough as well from a local bakery. Yeah, um, I would say any bread. I know rye bread. Um, some have said is is better, but if you want to be really serious about it to get better first, later on you can eat your sourdough or any type of bread really, mm -hmm. um, and you shouldn't feel bad about it. Yeah, as other people doing, they're healthy. It's just the first step is I think to take care of your problem, get rid of it, and then kind of maintain a very healthy immune system so you will never slip back into that but in regards to your question with metals well that is the thing you know like you said earlier why is jimmy healthy in that moldy environment but johnny is very sick and um that's where you know some of these uh, triggers come in because if you are genetically susceptible let's say that mold just inherently has an easier access to colonize within you. It's still um, 
it's still there must be something else that kind of pushes you into this arena just like with autism mm -hmm. and in my opinion it is the aluminum contained in vaccines i mean there's we have what about 5000 micrograms of aluminum by the age of 18 and if you divide that up then these are toxic levels to our neurons. Even the FDA says, you know, that a certain amount of aluminum is toxic and you should mm -hmm. avoid. But regardless, is that, that those events, um, these challenges to the immune system that happen early on in life uh, with antibiotic treatments of our kids, with, you know, genetically modified food and mold in our food and with vaccinations, so let's say you, you get vaccinated, you know, and there's toxins in there to attract the immune system. Um, and these antigens don't get cleared properly by our uh, glutathione system if that is already depleted. And hence, we are more susceptible to be pushed into this whole cycle where mold is like, oh, great. <laughs> This guy got vaccinated. He's kind of struggling to fight that. So let's colonize real quick. And so it, the, the first thing is that there is a trigger. And I think in autism specifically, it is uh, mm -hmm. vaccines. And for those that weren't vaccinated and have autism, they usually have massive uh, exposure to antibiotic treatments early in childhood, mm. starting with a C-section. I had two emergency C-sections uh, with my kids, and they both seem to have sensory processing disorder. We've also lived in mold. It's no secret that shame, free sex and pleasure are powerful avenues to deeper connections and an overall sense of well-being. And accessible, expertly designed toys can play a big part in getting you there and making you feel more alive. Dame is leading a sexual wellness revolution as a women-powered resource for game-changing pleasure products and supportive content. Started by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops her products based on research and feedback from people like you. They're making better sexual experiences and more pleasure available to all. Dame's easy-to-use toys and accessories are made with body-safe, doctor-approved materials and smart design principles, and they've earned glowing praise from the New York Times, the Today Show, and many more including me. Whether you're looking to shake things up with your partner or upgrade your self-care routine, they've got something for every nightstand. Even better, Dame offers three-year warranties and hassle-free returns within 60 days, so your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. And I will guarantee you satisfaction because I use their products myself. They're amazing. My favorite one is their suction toy, I call it the clit sucker, but it's uh, spelt A-E-R. It's called AIR. It's a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. It creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris so you can go all the way right away. Guys, I have like eight to 10 orgasms almost every time I use it. I use it during sex and in my own pleasure practice. You will not be disappointed. They're also sending me a bunch of their other products, so I'll keep you updated. But as of right now, this one's my favorite, and I highly recommend it. Go to dameproducts.com and use code JADE today for 15% off your order with Dame. Now on with the show. So we'll close off the show with some healing techniques, but but um, before getting into that, I know, um, you know you brought up the DMT. So... It, it, it's my understanding uh, from you 
um, or at least uh, you're who introduced me to it, is that those on the spectrum already have more DMT than others. Is that correct? Correct. So I'm curious, am I basically on DMT all the time? I know I'm not, um, I, I know I'm high functioning, so it's a less severe form, but um, I've, you know, I've, my, I have a beautiful friend that has autism named Anthony as well. And he says that he feels triggers that, you know, cause him to exhibit his autism tend to be things that are out of harmony with creation, loud things that are out of harmony with creation, inorganic sounds, inorganic lighting, inorganic emotional communication from those around him to be put in a cold or clinical environment. Um, and so he posed the question, is the DMT a cause to a natural response to inorganic stress? Like we feel a threat and then our body floods with adrenaline and then DMT. Is that the case or what, what are your thoughts? It's a very good question. And um, so there, there's adrenochrome and then there's um, bufotenin, right? So DMT analog. And in my opinion, it's an interplay between those that differentiates a severely autistic to a high-functioning autistic. Um, for example, if you're high-functioning, you uh, tend to have more adrenochrome than uh, DMT. If you're low-functioning, you have high DMT, lower adrenochrome. The reason for that is that you know um, low-functioning has high DMT is because if I would give you LSD right now, you would be crawling on the floor. I would consider you low functioning. You cannot communicate with me. You're somewhere else. That's what DMT does. It's not microdosing on psilocybin or, or anything that makes you feel just great. No, uh, severe autism is they're completely tripping their brains out. I mean, DMT is has tryptamine in its core, right? Um, it's methylated tryptamine, which is also the um, the core of you know tryptamine is the same is an LSD, NMDA, ketamine, mm -hmm. um, and psilocybin, and they all work on the same receptor system on serotonin receptor 5H2A, mm -hmm. and which is known to cause hallucinations. And so, like I mentioned, in autism, um, we know that DMT uh, uh, is basically in the 146 patients that they tested, all of them had higher bufotenin. And then they had 200 neurotypicals and it was only, only elevated in two of them. Mm. But the difference is, in my opinion, in, in your case, you have most likely higher DMT, but it's dominated by, um, and I would love to see your genetics, but it's probably dominated by adrenochrome. And, and how does adrenochrome, like if, if I have high levels of adrenochrome, how does that, what does that do to a person? Well, for example, um, it alters your reality. Um, but in a in a sense, in a good way, meaning you have much higher abilities than the average person. For example, you know, you walk in a room and there are 10 people sitting, you just don't feel right. If somebody has a bad energy, you you sense that. I felt like that and, my whole life. Yeah. yeah. And 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 that is that is high intelligence because I that's thought that was just trauma related all along, but and there we go, trauma related. If you have some sort of trauma occurring, um, you know, it's like I mentioned earlier, you have such a high adrenaline state that you remember that moment forever. And yeah. that's, you know, the groundworks of PTSD, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but adrenochrome is not harmful to you. In fact, it makes you look very great. 
It's beautiful antimitotic. It's very powerful against cancer. Just think of, um, you know, adrenochrome is heavily linked to schizophrenia, but think of a schizophrenic patient. Some estimate up to 80% of schizophrenics smoke, yet the cancer rate in schizophrenia, you know, 100-year disease, is about 40 times less than the general population. Why is that? It's because they have high levels of adrenochrome, which is protecting them against cancer. And, you know, in some other realms, other discussions we could discuss, you know, that. So is there something, if I have high adrenochrome from being high functioning, is there something that I need to be doing to prevent it from one day, all of a sudden I have schizophrenia? Um. You know, schizophrenia is the ultimate uh, adrenochrome paradise because if you would start drinking now, let's say. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. And you look very healthy. And that is, in a sense, is it really that bad? You know, you just have the susceptibility, I'm sure, for it. Um, but if you would start drinking now, you know, which is alcohol, lots of sugar, lots of inflammation, it would blow the mold uh, into your gut and that causes inflammation and histamine, histamine uh, reactions and histamine causes the production of adrenaline. And if you don't have that gene to break that down, then you have proportionally much, much higher adrenochrome. But because you take care of yourself, you still have those tendencies, however. You always have that. You were born with that, which means your processing speed in your brain is just so much greater um, because of it because that's what adrenochrome uh, does you know it interacts with the uh, dopaminergic neurons and in, in, uh, in the frontal lobes and you know uh, it um, certainly increases your brain power it's like you have a better processor in your computer mm-hmm. what advantages does that have well you can open 10 programs and work with them very intensively meaning you can engage with different thoughts in your brain at the same time which to the observer might seem like, ah, oh, she's slow, but in reality, or she's even just disassociated because she's, disassociated, she's right. but in reality, you have so many things you're trying to solve the universe in your brain. You know, you're thinking about whatever, you know, uh, all kinds of different concepts and things that you want to work on. And you can do that in high definition, basically. And to the observer, it's like, ah, oh, she's not really there. But for you, it's just another play field is reality. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what I think adrenochrome does. It, you look in somebody's face and you know, you can yeah. see their soul. You know if they're lying to you, you know if they're sh- bullshitting you. And, um, you know, it, for, not, for schizophrenic, you have to wonder, why did they isolate themselves so much? It's not because of a lack of confidence. You know, I've met schizophrenics that are working as executives. But it is because they can sense the other person's energy. Yeah. And it, it sticks Which I them. always thought I was psychic. Um, there we go. There we go. And you, pro- you probably are, because there are abilities of the brain that are, you know, have just not been described yet. And I mean, look at the DMT experiences that people have. Yeah. So that's something I'm I'm curious about too, because I do take care of myself. I don't drink. I don't smoke cigarettes. I've really sugar free, all dairy free, all that. But as far as the psychedelics, I for almost 10 years now have had a very big hunger for them. I've mm-hmm. done um, mushrooms, ayahuasca, bufo, um, uh, huachuma. Like I don't, I try not to do ketamine or LSD or the man-made. I do mostly the plants, but for 10 years, it's been a very regular part of my life. And I'm curious your thoughts on if that's helpful for those on the spectrum or 
there be too much since they already have more DMT? Uh, no, in fact, um, it's currently being studied as a therapeutic option for patients with autism. In fact, I just contacted the lead investigator, she's in London, um, to see if she somehow wants to discuss this a little bit further because, you know, I, I read her work and there's not mention about mold. They, they acknowledge that there's higher serotonin levels and that, it, you know, that psilocybin works on these receptors but um, no uh, like psilocybin for example is or dmt let's let's talk about dmt we produce dmt ourselves yes. you know when we dream for example you know how can you see something that you've never seen before it's dmt mm -hmm. and so dmt is a potent inhibitor of the production of more dmt and and so how i see dmt for example is that if you're in a uh, in a rainforest and you have no clue which direction you want to go, you can use a modality like this because it brings you to the highest tree from where you can see where you have to go. And then you go back down when it wears off, but at least you know now, this is what I have to do. And that's how I see these, that you don't need to chronically take these uh, medications. However, in, for example, treatment-resistant depression that is being studied with uh, psilocybin, for example, um, why not? I mean, give them, give these people a different perspective of life that they can grab onto and build on yeah. rather than psychotherapy, which is just suggestions, you know, and what if these individuals already can sense that? Mm -hmm. from the I mean, I, I started trying to commit suicide at 10 years old and continued that until I was 28, as well as really debilitating panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And once I started psychedelics, gradually that all went away and no more suicidal thoughts, no more panic attacks. And um, also when I'm on, it's almost a sad thing to say in a sense, because it's not something you can do all the time, but when I take mushrooms or when I take Quachuma or ayahuasca, I feel more me than when I'm not on it, which is really weird. Um, but I've my whole life, I've, I've always felt all the things that you're saying, um, like I'm an alien, like I'm in another world. And when I'm around others, it can at times feel really lonely um, because I just feel so different. And that was something that really crippled me as a kid. Um, very few people can break through that and stay with me in that world. Very few. Um, and I've always wanted to be able to change it. Most well, mostly to better my connection and understanding of others. Um, but there's that block there for me. And I'm curious because when it comes to threats, especially, which we, we, we talked about um, threats being a trigger, conflict is especially hard for me. I begin to feel like I am in a different reality than the person I'm having the conflict with. And I even had a, a partner say in the middle of conflict, before I came to the realization, say, sometimes I wonder if you have autism. And it's, it's, a, it's become a fear. It became a fear of if partners know I have autism, they'll use it in conflict against me almost because I get in, it's like I get in this alternate reality where I can't understand what they're saying and I can't articulate this, you know what I mean? So, so for those on the spectrum, what are some tools for navigating conflict? Well, let, let me ask you this. When, when you are in a situation and you don't find the right words for it, but how do you feel about it? Do you inherently feel that this uh, conflict is wrong or that this person, or why do you think it's wrong? Is the person lying? Is the person 
evil, you know, they're not genuine. Um, you know, there's a lot happening that you can sense that you might not be put into words, but maybe your body doesn't let you for a reason, you know, because it's beyond of what you should be dealing with maybe. And, and so, you know, like I said, if your brain has the power to solve the universe or have the answers for the, for the whole universe, sometimes we cannot put it in words and we don't have to and not you know getting along with certain people maybe is hence meant to be you know this is your path uh, because they will just keep you stuck in one point but you're meant for greater things i mean if i'm sure with your experiences of these psychedelics you have seen things that have you know changed your whole character of how you look at everyday life mm -hmm. and and you're on a journey with that and you're a spiritual being and uh you know i i believe that we don't need these individuals we don't need to change them and we need to walk away from it that's what i have learned myself i, I walk away from these negative energies i'm not trying to solve them why are they like this or how do i solve this problem no you just I walk away from it and I find my tribe, my tribe that does understand me, that uh, is on the same uh, or, or at least on a similar path. Mm -hmm. uh, and and so follow your intuition. You know, if you want to, uh, like you, you just mentioned, it's not a good thing to do psychedelics. How do, how do we know that? Our world, we had a shooting yesterday with 19 kids that are uh, got murdered. And uh, I mean, look at us. Everybody's stressed. Um, why is it not? How do we know it's not necessary maybe that everybody takes a microdose of uh, psilocybin? Oh, it's schedule one. This doctor's promoting drug use. Well, you know, those stupid comments will always come, but they have they can't even tell you what serotonin does in the body and what receptor system it interacts with. So yeah. we are endocannabinoid deficient in our toxic environment. So why not? So don't feel bad about that. Nobody dies from uh, uh, mushrooms taking yeah. mushrooms it's a plant it's it's you can yeah you can trip your brains out with it but you can't really die from it mm -hmm. so unless you eat a toxic mushroom but uh, you know psychedelic mushrooms are not harmful yeah so you know show me a study where it is yeah. and and so um the same with cannabis nobody's died from cannabis but it's we go to prison so that's what's confusing too because isn't mold and cannabis i mean isn't mushrooms and cannabis don't they have mold yeah, but there there are good molds and bad molds, like in mushrooms themselves. Like mm -hmm. for example, I treat um, certain toxins that the mold releases with a probiotic yeast called Saccharomyces boulderi. So mm -hmm. you treat mold with the yeast, uh, but that's that's helps. So, but in regards to um, cannabis uh, contamination, yeah, I mean, it's a problem, mm -hmm. um, and that's why I think if you uh, habitual user of cannabis uh, make sure that you go to a medicinal dispensary that has testing reports on the strain that you want to consume mm -hmm. tested for pesticides heavy metals and you know yeast and mold mm -hmm. and if that's all free then uh, good luck you know or have fun but you know you should make sure that if you use it on a daily basis or uh, on a regular basis that you make sure that you know what you're taking yeah i know when i use um cbd the actual flower um it is tremendously helpful for me um just for my nervous system and my overstimulation um 
as a parent of two, I can't, I can't just be smoking TH, you know, THC flower and the CBD flower is just, it's perfect for me. Um, I'm curious based off of everything that you've said, um, it feels like you would agree with something that my friend told me. I can't remember. There's, there's a well-known writer that he actually got this from, but it's basically that autism is an evolution of humanity. And if that's the case, do you feel like at some point everyone's going to be on the spectrum and that's how we evolve? What are your thoughts on that? I, I do not believe that it's a natural way of evolution. Okay. I think it is environmentally triggered with mm -hmm. environmental toxins, mm -hmm. aluminum, glyphosate. Um, and it, it just, the question is, is it deliberate or not? Mm. If it is deliberate, maybe they do want to, I don't know, harvest a super race, you know, super soldiers, super intelligence, you know, for the intelligence agencies, high functioning. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have kids that they can't really communicate with you and they're, you would think they're brain damaged, but then you ask them, hey, what is 35 times 75? And they answer like with a snip of a finger, um, you know, their brain is incredible. Um, mm -hmm. And, and so is it an evolution? I don't think so. I think it's rather an experiment. Mm -hmm. And there are some very bad casualties of it. Because yeah. I have kids that are in the ER restrained, getting injected with antipsychotics and sent home, yeah. destroying and beating up the parents. So we have other sides of just, you know, butterflies and rainbows of DMT. We have severe cases of, of autism that are yeah. And I do not think this could be by any means part of evolution. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's there's so many experiments going on in the world, I feel. So you said that autism is an intelligence far behind, far beyond our comprehension. I feel like this is one characteristic of being on the spectrum that I don't have, unless it's just something I'm unaware of. But uh, I know articulating in an intelligent way is a struggle for me. I get corrected all the time on how I speak. And so, um, yeah, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on a little bit more on that, on how. Um, well, there, you know, there are different layers of intelligence. First of all, if you, if you talk about academic intelligence and you don't find the right words of penicillium or whatever, um, that doesn't mean you're not intelligent. Mm -hmm. uh, because there's, in, in my opinion, more important things like emotional intelligence. So, you know, what are you going to teach your kid? Academic intelligence to regurgitate information of how to multiply two numbers or emotional intelligence, how to react to stress, you know, how to cope with, with death, for example. You know, and I think that is what is more important and that is what is greatly enhanced with you. You know, just speaking to you, I feel very strong positive energy and you know that you're self-aware of uh, for example of your things that you want to work on that's huge that what's most people don't have that um they're like i have a headache what do i do you know or uh, you know what pill do i need to take not even look beyond that and so do you want to be trapped in this do you want to talk very good and be a robot on having learned one system and you, you you're very good with that or Look at how many playing fields and um, looked over your kind of topics that you have in your radio show. That is a huge intelligence in my in my book mm -hmm. to navigate through this, to organize that, to to ask the right questions. Um, so in my book, uh, you are far beyond more intelligent than 
don't be so hard on yourself is for one. That's the one thing that adrenochrome does. These minds are brilliant, 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 but they don't see it themselves. Wow. They're always self-critical. They always want to get better, better, better. Well, that's what your brain is there for. You have a brilliant mind. You want to figure things out. You know, why are certain things in a way? And your brain, boom, generates the answer. But then three more doors open and you're never satisfied. That's true. And, and hence, um, don't be so hard on yourself. And, you know, in regards to the one thing I wanted to tell you that has helped me tremendously when you say with the communication with other people, when you feel depressed, when you feel anxious, tell your thing one thing, and that is, I have just absorbed an energy from somebody else. It is not my feeling. And if you keep telling yourself that, all of a sudden, this shield starts forming around you where nothing can penetrate that anymore. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, this, is, this wasn't my fault. This anxiety that I felt was from somebody else. I can let it go. And once I incorporated that into my life, it's changed everything. But you have to keep telling yourself, this is not my feeling. This is not my feeling. And then um, it, it will go away because you have, you are a sponge for information, but also for energies. And uh, that can cause a huge disturbance in the processing if you don't know which direction you want to go, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and so you don't let anybody tell you anything just because you cannot remember a word here and there um you're connecting way more dots than the average individual and uh and so what can you do about it if you do feel too anxious there are certain things you can do you know there for example if if you if you get into those realms where you really become become things become anxious and you're paranoid or whatever and you can't stop thinking there are things that can block adrenaline for example like beta blockers you know propanolol developed in the 60s, won the Nobel Prize, super safe. Um, in the United Kingdom, it is used to treat, you know, the primary thing is anxiety. Why? Um, because it blocks the effects of adrenaline. And, um, you know, in a low dose, it has helped many, many individuals, uh, you know, those that are brilliant in college, but then drop out because they have, you know, anxiety and panic disorders, mm -hmm. or just in general, some the, some people that are just anxious all day, you give them propanolol, boom, it's gone. And they're like, that's exactly what I needed. That has changed my life. Thank you so much, doc. And so, or you use, you know, if you, if you, you detect in your genetics that you have, uh, you're very sensitive to histamine, for example, you can use certain antihistamines to make you feel better, quicker. Um, but ultimately, those are all Band-Aids. Ultimately, I think it is going after the root source of what causes these problems, and that is mold. Yeah, and that can be treated. So, so that brings me to my last question before the lightning round that ends the show. Um, is basically like how to heal, and are we are we? Tr I know for extreme autism, for sure, we're trying to heal, but um, are we trying to for those um, in my part of the spectrum are we trying to heal or just learn to work with it um like in your case it, it depends on what you want to do mm -hmm. you know um autism is just a word it doesn't mean anything not like myocardial infarction oh it's a heart attack or colitis oh it's an inflammation of the bowel autism doesn't mean anything and so we always have to go by symptoms what are your symptoms do you have anxiety 
Do you have, do you cannot, you know, have a problem with dreaming? Do you have problems with, you know, your bowel movements? You know, all of that, those symptoms need to be taken into context. And then there needs to be an analysis of your laboratory work, of your genetics and things like mold. There are other tests like neurotransmitter profiles that you can check, you know, histamine, dopamine, glycine, glutamate. You can measure all those. And then you sit down with the patient and correlate those with your symptoms rather than finding this one pill that treats autism, you know, yeah. doesn't mean anything. So it's more about symptoms and finding root causes that cause these symptoms and then target them based on, hey, your gene works slower. Can we stimulate it? Oh, yeah, look, we can stimulate that gene with selenium because then it breaks down hydrogen peroxide and you have less inflammation, less mm -hmm. oxidation of adrenaline to adrenochrome. And so one thing leads to the next. And, and that's why it depends on what you want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, with severe autism, yeah, they need some major help. And even with that, I mean, I had kids that are 14 that haven't spoken and were aggressive that are now speaking and learning how to do math. Um, I had a kid in the Czech Republic last year, uh, special needs school, seven years old, aggressive, nonverbal. This year, accepted to a special uh, gifted school, hmm. wrote 15 pages uh, for his grandma's funeral, a poem, and he wants to be a snowboarder in the Olympics now. So uh, things can change if you know what you're doing on mm -hmm. targeting root causes, in my opinion. I have multiple friends that have children that stopped speaking and became really violent after the, um, I believe it's the MMR vaccine. And um, I'm, I'm so excited to share this episode with them. Um, I'm curious if everyone that has, um, it, that is on the spectrum, do you feel they also need to test for Lyme? Is that a, a, uh, that's a good question? Um, I tend to be conservative with my approach. You know, um, I do genetics and mold testing first. Okay. Because that those are the core reasons. If you know that mold suppresses the immune system, let's fix that. Because maybe, just maybe, the immune system then will take care of these core infections like Lyme and viruses. If you have treated that based on the genetics, the right supplements and the mold, you got rid of that, and symptoms persist, then I suggest, hey, maybe we should look into Lyme. Maybe you need a little bit help at this point to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they're different uh, companies that check for that so um and then you, you go from there mm -hmm. um so there are more severe cases yeah they're a little bit more extensive but uh, yeah right off the bat i don't even though there are some yale researchers that believe that 80 percent of individuals with autism are also affected with lyme mm -hmm. so what even if you treat the mold you bring your immune system back that should take care of it it's a co-infection in my opinion mm -hmm. not a primary yeah, I believe it's Dr. Merkula that says that by 2025, everyone will have Lyme, that it'll be a pandemic. And before I found out that it was him that said that, I thought that sounds like an agenda to, to yeah. that, right? But um, I, I also know he says that Lyme is sexually transmitted as well. And um, it's interesting. I have someone close to me that had Lyme and um, it seems that it inflames the fight or flight part of the brain. So it's like everything feels like an argument. And then with my being on the spectrum, it like triggers my symptoms. And it's just, oh my gosh, the two of us together is like the most. It, it could be. Yeah, it could be. It's um, you, you personally don't strike me as having Lyme, but of course, what do I know just by talking to you for an hour? But uh, uh, I think you have other gifts that, um, 
you're unaware of potentially in regards to, you know, looking at from the other side, is there something wrong with you? No, looking at it like you have a brilliant, brilliant mind, but you just need to calm it down. Yeah. It's like you have a, a Bugatti car out there, but it doesn't mean you have to, you know, push the the pedal to the metal. You know, you don't drive it like a maniac, you know, mm -hmm. or a Ferrari. Uh, you drive it calmly. You, you will always have your nice car, but you need to calm the brain. You have mm -hmm. the ability to drive very fast and think very fast, but you know certain things push that to be always uh, for your brain to be hyperactive, and and so you basically involuntarily expand your mind, and sometimes it causes anxiety because you go in places you don't want to go, and mm -hmm. so these triggers need to be eliminated. Mm -hmm. You will never lose your intelligence, but the on and off button is more controllable in this way. You know, otherwise your mind is racing and you can't fall asleep at night because your mind is just going in a thousand directions. And that's when you start taking things to sleep to calm that system, like mm -hmm. ambient, you know, or activates or, you know, these GABA influences that calm the amygdala and yeah. all of a sudden you go out uh, or Benadryl blocking the histamine receptor, you know, mm -hmm. people go to sleep. But um, and so I do believe that even in individuals uh, that are kind of high functioning, it all depends on if you think that there's a problem. If you're too stressed out and anxious, yes, you should look into this. You know, and, and I don't believe it's with simply just psychotherapy. I think it's with treating potential triggers that yeah. hyperstimulate your brain. I think the only area it becomes a, a not even a big problem. Um, because I have so many tools, you know, EFT, tapping, um, breath work, all types of um, tools. But as a parent of a five and six year old, uh, it's a very stimulating environment, you mm -hmm. know. So that's that's where um, I'm really because I don't want them to feel like I'm always on edge, you know, um, yeah. from all of the noise. And um, yeah, so that's that's an area I'm definitely trying to work on it. And I have to take things like magnesium for bedtime and, and stuff like that. Um, I believe that if you're on the spectrum, you're, you, you, you need magnesium. Um, it's something that yeah, magnesium stimulates the gene that breaks down adrenaline. Yeah. Amongst okay. others. So that's why there's something called calm. The magnesium powder mm -hmm. calms you down because it breaks down the adrenaline. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, and I, I noticed that, um, as far as like my creativity and being able to write in a way that like makes sense um and flows and is articulate um it's interesting that because I, i'm training in tantra and a lot of tantra is pleasure practices and, and going into places that are very taboo and finding pleasure there and when i go into my pleasure practice it's after that and i know pleasure floods your brain with different chemicals it's after that that i'm really clear and able to articulate articulate so there's something to that as well but well yeah probably uh you get a dopamine surge oh for sure yeah uh, yeah it's very interesting i haven't explored those realms myself but it sounds sounds great it's fun um, homework <laughs> yeah it's, I, I learn more um, yeah. so there's a few short questions that i like to ask everyone who comes on the show the first one is if you could hug your younger self right now what would you say Um, probably to not 
absorb and trying to solve the problems of others. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? Um, what Really Causes Schizophrenia by Abraham Hoffer. Oh, I haven't heard that. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> How can people connect with you um, and find your work if, if they have more questions or want to book a, an appointment? Uh, my website is drbognerhealth.com um, and you can find more about me, about my approach and uh, on Facebook at drbogner, Dr. Bogner. Um, post there. I just got banned from Twitter, so that's gone. Oh, what? I thought Twitter was like the most free area. Yeah, that was. I, I was on Twitter since 13 years. And one post, I guess, about, I don't know if you've heard about this documentary, 2,000 Mules. No, I haven't um, heard of it. I'm, I'm going to attend next week um, the business of birth control. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm so excited. Queen Af Afua is going to be speaking. Wow. Yeah. Is I'm it so pro or pro um, birth control or anti -birth? no it's it's very much how you know we were all prescribed birth control around 15 years old and now look at all these women have autoimmune disorders and yeah interesting yeah, yeah. wow um but no i ha i haven't heard of that documentary but you you tweeted that and then you got banned yeah and then i got banned quickly man a documentary about what happened during the election in 2020 and i guess it's struck a nerve hmm. <laughs> Well, I know I'm shadow banned on Instagram along with most of my friends. So it's a very weird, weird world that we it live in. It is. It truly <laughs> is. But you know what? It's, it's all good. It's a great journey. Yeah. It's just a sand corn on the beach. There's many more to come. Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful for this conversation. It was really, really healing for me. And um, I felt a calming of my mind throughout it. Oh, that's so great. You're, you're a great are, person. You're very smart. Thank you. You you are medicine itself. Um I believe for those on the spectrum. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm so excited to, to share your light with everybody and to help sure. remove the, the stigma. Thank you so much. And uh, I come back anytime. Oh, so it might, I, I had a thought that maybe people listening to this would start to question if they'd been exposed to mold or if they were on the spectrum or if they even just, you know, sensory processing disorder is, is also on the spectrum. And, you know, that's, I feel a lot of children have now they, they get overstimulated a bit easier. There can be a lot of questions that may have come up about yourself or your family. And I would just encourage you to seek out naturopath or to look into gut health because that's where it really starts as well. I know for me, I shared a little bit of my story while he was on, but I know for me, you know, I had a big fear around airing an episode talking about my autism because I worried about how it would affect my professional life. Would people trust me as a coach? Would people trust me in their work with money and their business? Because it could be easily thought that like mistakes would be made if my brain works differently. Whether, it, whether they think it's working too slow or too fast, they could think that mistakes are going to be made. And as far as coaching, I was really nervous that people would think that I wasn't going to be the best coach 
if I'm autistic because they wouldn't be able to grasp what I'm saying or I wouldn't be able to grasp what, what they're saying. There would just be a disconnect. There would be not the type of intelligence that they would be desiring. I don't know. I just had all these thoughts that people would, would question my ability to coach because of my ability to understand. I, I let that melt away because it, it's actually what makes me a great coach. It makes me a great coach because I'm able to see things and follow things and things could like hit like, ah, oh, yeah, because this happened, this exact scenario, and this is how it's playing out in your relationship now. You cannot trust the masculine now in your relationship because of what that happened, because of what happened in this part of your trauma. I'm able to, to spot that really quickly because of the autism, not only because of my training and the psychic abilities and the trauma I've undergone myself and healed, but also because I'm on the spectrum, because it's, that's one of my gifts. That's one of my tools. And so I released that fear of how would this affect my business and my bookings. And, and uh, I believe that instead, it will actually help it. I'm going to continue to believe that. I always knew that something was different. Showers were always really hard for me. I wanted to watch the same thing over and over. Bright lights, like a like a bright television, it feels like someone's poking me in the eyes. I've always had to have just lamps, no overhead lighting. And, uh, and even now I need like all amber lighting in my home, which to me is just super cozy anyways. And it helps with melatonin and melatonin is anti-aging. So to me, it's like, Hey, why not? But that's, that's been hard for some people that I've lived with, like needing amber lighting because they like the bright fluorescent lighting, which I feel is so dysregulating. It's it, at least it is for me. It, it literally feels when someone turns a, a large screen TV on in front of me, literally feels like someone takes their fingers and puts them in my eyes that's like it's an actual pain I get loud sounds loud abrupt sounds they jolt my nervous system like I said communication can be really hard conflict can be really hard I can lead couples and sessions through the most wonderful conflict busting techniques um, on how to find your projections on um, where you're where you're um, projecting your parent on your partner, um, where you're projecting your own shadow self on your partner, like all these things. And I'm able to do that on my own, looking back, but in the in the moment of conflict, it's like my brain, my brain does something weird. And um, I'm still a very wonderful coach. But for my own brain, it's it's very hard for me sometimes. And, and I know, um, before I knew this, it was it was hard for past business partners at times because they didn't understand why my brain needed things a certain way or why it, it articulated in a way that they didn't feel was good enough, you know, in my home as well. Like I need things to have order chaos around me and I have kids. So I've learned to not let the playroom affect me, but like when it comes to the home, like I need things that have a certain order, a certain aesthetic, because it provides that like in my brain as well. And that also has not been easy for, for partners in the past. Uh, most of my partners have been really clean OCD freaks. So that's really been helpful, but not all. And then, um, uh, like I said, showers are really hard for me. Really, really hard. Um, being in water for some reason, like, like I can go in um, like a river or the ocean 
And I guess it's because the water is moving. It's helpful. But like for me to just be in, I don't know how, I haven't really figured out what it is when it works for me and when it doesn't, but like a shower standing under like the stream of water is really hard for me. So, um, baths, baths are really helpful. And, and even then it's, it's, it's a big chore for me. Um, yeah, there was one other area. Oh, time. Oh my gosh. Like I really need being late. And I know time isn't real and it's silly to be stressed out about time, but like, I have to be early to things. The feeling of being late, it throws off my nervous system like crazy. And my son's the same way. Um, yeah, that's all I can think of at the moment. But, um, oh, change of plans. Oh my goodness. I'm okay with like last minute cancellations at times. At times I'm like, oh, thank God I had too much going on. But for the most part, like I really need to know what to expect in my week. I really need to know what to expect in my next month. And a change of plans can really throw me off or someone being late, someone being late, it disrupts my nervous system in a way that like, it makes me, I felt so much shame around it because I wished I could be just so easygoing and like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Let's do this last minute. And I've never been that person. I've always needed to have a plan and a plan that I could stick to. And that's not a part of this diagnosis that has been easy for me, but, um, because that's not how life works, but I'm learning to accept these parts of myself and not in a bypassing way or in a way of making up an excuse, but just in a way of, um, being with it, being with all of this and, and, um, accepting myself. And if someone around me doesn't accept these things of myself because they're too hard for them to understand, um, because to them, it just feels like I'm OCD, um, to just know that, like he was saying, that's, that's not my people. And this isn't easy for everyone to be around and that's okay. Um, before I even knew I had this diagnosis, my best friend, Tom Shadiak would always tell me that he could provide electricity to an entire village if he hooked it up to my mind because of how fast my mind goes and how many thoughts are going on at once. And I always joked with him and told him we'd, we'd have a lot of blackouts. <laughs> we'd have a lot of power outages, but he always saw this in me and never as something that was negative. He is the one, one of the very few people that, because this happens all the time. I was around one of my best friends yesterday and I even thought it around her, this thought of, oh, is it hard to be around me because I'm so different? Like, I know that my mind is doing something that makes me seem like I'm in another world right now. And this person's probably thinking I'm not present or I'm disassociating or that I'm elsewhere. Tom Shadiak is one of the few people that when I go into that place, he somehow is able to follow me and hang out with me there. It brings me to tears because it's been so healing to have a person that can be with you in these areas that are so hard to be with yourself in. My prayer is that you all have that person or find that person in your life that can follow where your mind goes <laughs> and uh, stay with you. 
where you don't feel like too much and you can feel at home with. Because I know in my experience, I don't know that I ever felt at home anywhere because of how different I felt. I always felt like an alien and I always felt misunderstood. And I, and I still do a lot of the time. I don't feel like people really understand what I'm saying a lot of the time. And I, I don't have to try with Shadyak, you know, and that's so healing. So I pray that whether you're on the spectrum or not, that you have that gift and a friendship. And if you don't have it, you get really clear on, on how you want it and what ways you want it so that the universe can bring it to you because it is the most healing force. And I talked about how as a kid, I had teachers, family members, multiple family members, and even a youth pastor, not not the one that passed away, but one at that church, who would tell me, people ask if you're slow. And that that there was so much shame in that. There was so much disempowerment. And I know that was their intention because it was coming from them when they were disciplining me. And then, you know, from the partner who who said, sometimes I wonder if you're autistic. And he said it while in conflict, not not at a time of like, hey, I'm curious about this. And I'm wondering if maybe we can look into this together. It, it, it didn't come about that way. And so all my life, there was this stigma and shame around this around there there being something wrong with me. And for the first time this year, I started to be able to have conversations with people where there was no stigma and no shame. And it was basically what I had with Dr. Bogner today. It was instead a gift. And I know that there are people with the low functioning part of the spectrum where it's very violent and it's very scary. And, and I know that that may not be seen as a gift because it's so, it's so hard. And I don't want to like throw that to the wind. I don't know what the word would be there and act like, oh, this is a gift. And, you know, I, I don't want to say that in any way. I know that, I know that their families really want to bring them into a more regulated and stable state. But for those that are on the, on the end of the spectrum, the high functioning that I'm on to really, while we're doing what he said, trying to heal our gut, steering clear of what could lead to schizophrenia, things like that, that we also see that it is a gift that brings these somewhat psychic abilities. I always thought as a kid that all of this was just my uh, cringing at a high five, my cringing at the sudden poke from a friend to get my attention. I thought that was all trauma induced and just from complex PTSD. I thought I, I thought that was all trauma induced, and I thought that my psychic abilities were trauma induced as well because I had so much trauma as a child. And I think it's both. I think it's the trauma that ripped my aura to where I can see energy and feel energy, and I think it's also um, being on the spectrum. And I hope that this episode helped remove some of that stigma and that shame. I can't speak much to the other parts of the spectrum because I am not on them and I'm sure they have their struggles. But I hope that I hope that stigma and shame was removed and, and it wasn't these people are slow or they're mental. And I'm so thankful that everyone that's still listening is still listening. I'm thankful that if you're not on the spectrum, you listened at the hopes of understanding someone who is better. That means so much. I'll also, as I always do at the end of every show, thank my affiliates. The best toys for sex at dameproducts.com. Code Jade gets 15% off. 
It's a suction toy that is a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation like me. Uh, my favorite one is called the Air, A-E-R, which creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris. So you can go all the way right away as many times as you want. I like to pair this with my pleasure wand or my yoni egg. I actually have one as a flower inside as well as an anal plug on the way. It should be in a couple of days, so I'll keep you updated on those. But I like to pair it with those. You can get 20% off that if you click on the link in the show notes. Otherwise, if you just enter code JADE at wands, W-A-A-N-D-S.com, you'll get 10% off. 20% off if you click the link and enter the code. And then all things CBD. We talked about CBD today as a healing modality. DirectHemp.com. I like all of their products and they're all vetted. And uh, it's code Jade for a discount there as well. And then higher dose infrared products. Code Jade75 for $75 off. I love the women who created this. And I love the grounding that I receive from these products. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much to me if you would leave a review, share an episode with a friend, and you can also join me on Instagram at Untamed and Unashamed Podcast. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember, you belong here. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.